Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This very interview took place live inside the Influencer Vault. If you want to learn more about becoming a member so that you can see the video of this interview and a lot more and be a part of weekly interviews that take place and have opportunities at your fingertips to speak, write, and be interviewed, go visit theinfluencervault.com today and sign up to get your free gift and then you'll uh, be directed to the website to learn more about the Influencer Vault. Hey everybody, this is Corey Poirier back with the latest edition in our interview series. I have a brand new guest with me today, and this might be the only time uh, I'll ha- probably have saying, maybe, unless I do another interview with her, but the only times that I'll probably say these words in my life, but welcome to Crystal the Bossy Girl. And and I'm allowed to say that, you know, like sometimes that might be seen as like, are you allowed to call somebody that? But this girl embraces that. So I'm allowed to say that. So Crystal, the bossy girl, so happy to have you here today. And Crystal, where we always start with our guests is rather than me read a bio that I'm probably going to mispronounce certain words and what have you, uh, we usually get our guests just to tell us just a little bit about themselves. Doesn't have to be a lot. And then we'll dive in deeper anyway. But Crystal, having said all that, for those that might be discovering you for the first time today, can you tell us a little bit about who the bossy girl is? Oh, I would be absolutely honored. And can I just tell you how fun it is that we can start an interview with you being so honest and willing to say how weird that feels coming off of your tongue? Love it. This is going to be a good time. So I'm Crystal and I'm the bossy girl. Really strange. Adding to the strangeness, I am America's leading expert for servant leadership for women. So How do servant leadership and bossy go together? Really, really odd. But let me tell you something. Leading is all about living with courage. Leading is all about being willing to go first and being authentic in who you truly are. And me being the bossy girl and embracing that, that is what leading is all about for me. I love it. So let's dive right into... The bossy girl, uh, I'm going to call it mantra, uh, brand, whatever term we want to put on it. But how did it, it, how did it start? Like, I'd love to know the history of that. Like, it's not something you hear every day. And I'm sure it couldn't, it, maybe it was, but I'm thinking it's probably not one of those things where you're just sitting around on a Saturday and say, you know what, I'm going to become the bossy girl. And then the next Monday that it was born. I don't know if it was that easy or not, but I'd love to hear what the history is behind that. Absolutely. So the story of the bossy girl really is kind of a powerful one. It was almost five years ago to the day. It was November. It was the end of November of 2016. And I was in a horrific car accident and I sustained a traumatic brain injury. At the time, I lost all of my memories. I was unable to read and write without assistance. I was having seizures. I couldn't drive. The only thing I was allowed to do was sit in a dark room and color. No screens, no television, no nothing. And what happened was one day I went to one of my many therapy appointments, which became my full-time job. 
And the doctor came into me with this piece of paper and brought it to me like it was some sort of degree or an award. And he said, Crystal, I'm so excited. You scored in the 30th percentile for your cognitive abilities. This is amazing. You almost made it to average. So you don't need any more rehabilitation. And understand, I have a very wonderful relationship with God. But in this moment, my grace was not my um, strong point. And I looked at the doctor and I told him, you don't know me. You will never tell me who I am or what I can do. And I don't need you. I don't want you. And you can take your plan and you can go straight to hell. Wow. And, I, and he looked at me and he said, well, aren't you bossy? And in that moment, I knew that this was just one time of many that a woman with a strong opinion on a mission was going to have her shine dulled and her mission quieted by someone saying that she was bossy. And the truth is, when you talk about bossy, typically what people are saying is, I'm pushing my agenda on someone else. I don't care about other people. Uh, I'm unmanageable, unruly. None of those things were true. I'm a loving person. I am a hell of a leader. I give everything I can and I put my people first, but I'm strong and I don't let anything get in my way and I never quit, never. And in that moment, what I realized is that my purpose on this earth, God brought me here to walk this path so I could help other women in the same situation who have been quieted when they know it's the right thing to do, to have courage and to move forward. And that's how Bossy Girl Leadership was born. Awesome. That I mean... There, there's, you know, there's so many directions a per person could go from that, but I do really want to honor what you said about the fact that, you know, it's one of those things where if a female says something in a certain way, it's perceived differently than if a male says it in a certain way. Yeah. I, mean, I feel like that flows more than just, you know, even just how a person says something. It's like if a female does something, it's perceived differently than if a male does. I mean, I won't say it's it's obviously not all, you know, all, all the case for everybody. It's not, you know, but it's generalizing. And if we just can say the norm for years, it's always been, like you said, as the case where, um, you know, if a, a female says something to somebody in a work environment, then they talk behind her back because she's this way, she's that way. But, you know, in, in not all cases, but in some cases, if a male boss said the exact same thing, they would say, oh, he's so, you know, he's assertive. Wrong. He's, yeah, he stands his ground. He's, he wasn't, can't push him over and all this kind of stuff. And yeah. so I'm glad that w with this brand that you have, you're, it's, there's so much behind it in the sense that it gets us talking. Like it, it, you, what you just said brings up a conversation about, is that the case? Which I think most of us would agree it is. And then the secondary part is, why is that the case? Yeah. And Corey, I, it's funny because when people hear the bossy girl, I know that the immediate thought is, oh no, feminist, angry, all of those kinds of things, right? Or maybe the opposite, because I'm even using the term girl to refer to myself, and I'm clearly a woman. So there are feminists who would object to that as well. So it's very difficult to know what you're going to get whenever you're talking to the bossy girl. But What's so fun for me is the most important thing that I do in my life and in my career is I build bridges. I love men. I want to support and help men. We communicate from here. And what I'm trying to do is create an understanding. So often we use words that we don't know are challenging others. And until it's your life on the line, it's really easy to look the other way and just say, eh, you know, somebody else can take care of that. We use the word bossy, but eh, it's fine. And there's a lot of other words, right, that get in our way of having open communication or of really loving our people. Sometimes we know they're getting in the way. Sometimes we don't. And what I love about this, and I found that again and again, it builds bridges instead of breaking them down. 
Some of the most brilliant men I know have said things to me like, why do you do this to yourself? Don't call yourself the bossy girl. You're not even bossy. And I'm like, but am I? Am I? Think about it. When you really think about bossy, am I? I'm not the bad bossy. I'm not a bitch, right? No, I'm not. But I'm strong. And you won't bowl me over. And I don't quit. And I am demanding in a way that makes you better tomorrow than you are today. I'm all those things. And I'm proud of that. And so here's a question then as a follow-up to that. Is it a matter of like, and this is just me asking you just in general, but is it a matter of the definition of the word? Like in other words, do you have a different definition of bossy than you think other people might have? Whereas some people might have only negative connotations of the word bossy and some people might have neutral and some people might have positive, but for somebody that's a negative connotation only, and you're saying I'm all those things, if they love you or if they think you're not, you're not those negative things I like, I dislike. So you're not bossy. Do you think that's a part of it as well, Crystal, is that they feel bossy is all bad? Oh my word. First of all, this is why you are a champion, that you're brilliant. And what I, it's taken me years to figure it out. I knew that this was my purpose. I knew that this was my mission, but putting words to it was challenging. And what this has all come down to for me is exactly what you said, redefining the word bossy. So that one, when somebody says, you know what, you're bossy, I will say, thank you. And two, when they use it, they actually understand that bossy now means courageous love in action. It's really a mission of love that's about doing the right thing that never stops, never quits, never takes no for an answer. It's courageous love in action. That's what bossy is. And it just so happens that more often than not, that's a word that refers to a woman. And oftentimes a woman in power, a woman with an opinion, a woman in leadership, oftentimes that's how that word is used. So I'm saying use it because there are many that have the opposite opinion. Ban the word bossy. Beyonce, Sheryl Sandberg, they're all part of a huge movement that calls to ban the word bossy. And it's not probably the smartest thing for somebody that's a nobody like me to go up against Sheryl Sandberg and Beyonce and say you're wrong. But my thought is I live in reality and the word bossy isn't going anywhere. We can say you should ban it, but I don't think it's going anywhere. So guess what? The best I can do is change how it impacts me. I only control me. And what I'm hoping to do is impact more women that get called bossy and they can control it for themselves too. It, it's amazing. I, I wanted to get your take on something because it just, it was recent that I just read about this. And so it made me, um, it, it makes me want to get your opinion on this one thing, but uh, just in terms of that changing the meaning of words, like I think of like a word pers- like persistence mm-hmm. and guy or girl, um, I think certain people have, I think there's both sides with that word. Like some people have a positive connotation, like, oh, you're persistent and you need that to succeed. But then there's other people like, oh, you're persistent and that's annoying. Yes. And, and like, if you think about it from a sales perspective, you're, usually the manager or another salesperson would say, oh, great quality. But a customer would say terrible quality. But my thing is, is again, depends what you use, how you define the word. Like if you use the word pushy, I think that, the Bad. meaning of pushy is different yes. and persistent. But yeah. some people categorize them both as the same. Like you're too persistent. But to me, most people won't succeed unless they're persistent. That's it. I mean, that's how we've gotten to where we are. And I know for me personally, I had to regain my life back. I was a single mom of a nine-year-old little girl, and I was not even able to drive to the grocery store. And people say, oh, well, you know, probably you had money from the accident. No, I got nothing. And I couldn't work for over a year and a half. And I was a single mom going into this. And I was literally bankrupt, broken, had nothing, and had to even accept food stamps because I was so lost. I couldn't work. I couldn't drive. I couldn't do anything. 
And my life was on the line. And the only reason I made it out of that is because I was persistent. I was, call me pushy. I'm okay with it. I was bossy. It doesn't matter because what it means, and and I get to choose. Mm -hmm. I get to choose how words are going to impact my life. And what it means for me is that I never, ever quit. And that's exactly right. Love it. Well, and what I wanted to ask you about, and, you know, even just this discussion might be for some people unpopular or me to take this, this, or even share my opinion on this. Sure. But, you know, I believe there's another side of what you kind of said too, about uh, if we ignore it. So I, I think like a lot of the, what we could feel are issues as society, if we ignore them, like in other words, if we say, let's shove it under the table and pretend it didn't exist, then I don't necessarily feel we grow from it and we can change. But I'll give you an example of what I was getting at is I watched an episode of, I've been going through the um, TV series, the Goldbergs. I've been going through the seasons. Yeah. I came and of course that whole show is about old TV and old stuff from the eighties, like all this timeless stuff for anybody who was born in the eighties. And they talked about uh, the the lead character was a fan of John Hughes. Uh, John, John, who's, who's had the movies like breakfast club, 16 candles, uh, pretty in pink, all those kind of shows. Or movies saying almost fire and he said he was a huge fan of him and in this one episode i think because the, the main character in goldberg's was turning 16 he talked a bit about 16 candles and i don't know how it happened i rarely do this but i ended up i was searching something on 16 candles like i was they showed clips and i was like i wonder if and i was trying to remember something about the movie so i did a search on it and the first thing came up was a new york times post saying we need to ban the movie 16 candles and I forget what, oh, and, and it was in reference to one of his colleagues, another writer who said, we need to ban the movie Gone with the Wind. Oh, my and, Lord. And I can't remember, remember the reason with Gone with, or sorry, I'll correct that. I, I heard the story before about Gone with the Wind, but I don't remember the reason. And he just referenced, uh, you know, just like we said with Gone with the Wind. So in other words, I don't remember what the reason for Gone with the Wind was. Uh, but the writer of this uh, piece said, oh, F- 16 Candles was one of my favorites when I was a kid. And also I loved everything Molly Ringwald was in. And I think that was sort of, di- to dis- this is my reading of it, to disarm the reader by him saying, I want to ban this. So almost like saying, this is my favorite thing too, but here's why it's no good. And then he, he referenced things in the movie that, uh, for lack of a better way of saying it was, I guess he was saying were sexist and stuff like that at the time. Yeah, yeah. And- and of course, as a kid, when you're watching it, and here's here's what I'm getting at, but the discussion, when you're watching it as a kid, like a lot of kids watch that, that were 15, 16, what have you, they didn't even really catch those uh, references. Like right. there was, there was no. a lot of kids that wouldn't act on that because they didn't catch that was, a, they didn't see it as a bad thing. Or right. They didn't see it as, I'm going to act like this because. And so there were references in it that he was talking about in the article. And he said, so I think we just need to get rid of the movie and pretend it didn't exist. But my thinking on it, and again, this is maybe the unpopular thinking, is how, if we constantly keep canceling and banning everything that existed from our past, how do we ever grow from it? If, mm. if, it, if it's like it, none of it ever happened, then how do we have discussions around it? And I don't know your thoughts on that, but I, and, and these are things, a lot of them that were at, when the people that watched them originally thought they were innocent, like they weren't actually watching it going, I'm so glad they're this lewd and racist right. and sexist. So that like when, when the people are watching them, they didn't catch those clues. It's just now with wiser eyes, perhaps are seeing that. But my point is, is that they existed at that point in time. Can we learn from them? Can we discuss, you know, why that would maybe wasn't, uh, wasn't sought, looked at a different way then, but now it might be looked at with different eyes. I'd love to get your thoughts on that because we're seeing a lot of things get canceled. I mean, even Christmas songs. Absolutely. There's different Christmas songs are like saying, did you know that really meant this? And then all of a sudden, let's... and, and it was cold Christmas. outside. Oh. Yeah, that's, that was the one I was trying to remember which one it was. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's like been banned from, I don't know how many radio stations. Yes. But I wonder, like I said, does it take away from the discussion? I mean, they're, they're raising awareness about it by saying we're going to ban it. But then once it disappears, you know, you for your children to say, don't do this, it's hard to reference something that they're like, well, what, how, we can't even find it online. What are you talking about? Right, right. Anyway, I just love to get your take on that. Well, I, I just truly believe the more that we bury our history, the less, just like you said, the less there is to learn from. One of the most fascinating aspects that I've experienced from calling myself the the bossy girl is to be able to have this kind of deep conversation with people that I hardly know at all. 
They're willing to share with me their thoughts, their feelings, and what is also amazing, in those moments, I can tell them stories about why this was hard, why this was hurtful. And in that place, I get to transform lives because we get to have the conversation. When we don't do that, if everybody just puts their blinders on, unfortunately, I believe the ugliest parts of history will repeat themselves. History does repeat itself. And our job is to make sure that we learn from it so that the ugly parts don't happen again. And oftentimes it's, it's interesting too. I get comments and, and I'm just, I had not thought about this until you shared what you shared, but I get comments from things, from people saying things like, Crystal, don't you know, this is already taken care of. Women are already equal. Nobody even says bossy anymore. This doesn't affect people anymore. Well, you know what? If you believe that, oh, man, first of all, I wish it was true. And second of all, if you believe that, there's probably more discussion we need to have. Let me tell you a story and let's go deeper. Unfortunately, when you're on the side who always gets a fair shot, you don't really realize what other people could still possibly be facing. I mean, women get to vote. We did good enough. No, no. <laughs> well, and you know, and to that point, so just even as I was thinking about it, as you were saying that, I thought, well, I'll go one step further just for context with people so they can even, because, you know, when you bring up something, if somebody like me hasn't seen it in years or somebody's listening to this, I've never seen it. Yeah. They say, well, you know, what are the parts that could be bad or worse? But I'll give you an example of something where taking on its own, like looking at it on its own, you'd be like, this is terrible. Most yeah. people I think would be like, this is terrible. Uh, how did that ever make it on TV and all those kind of things. But an example is in 16 Candles. So, I, and I didn't remember this, by the way, until I read this piece. And I never even thought a whole lot of it at the time. I was, I was quite a bit younger when I watched it as well. Sure. So, uh, you know, from my end, I, I, again, I wasn't really cluing into the references. But one of the guys said, his girlfriend, they, they got drunk together at this house or whatever, frat house. And he was leaving and his girlfriend was um, quite drunk, quite inebriated. And... He said to the guy, uh, my, my Anthony Michael Hall, who played the like the nerdy guy. Oh, and he yeah. said to the nerdy guy, he said, um, you know, she's so drunk, I could take advantage of her right now. And then the nerdy guy said, well, why don't you do it then? And it's terrible, right? And then they loaded her in the car with them. And then the next morning, the nerdy guy woke up and the girl. And he said, did we? Uh, and she said, I think so. And he said, did, you know, did I enjoy it? And she said, I think so. And so it was like really icky. Ooh. And so the point is, I don't remember that. And I've seen that movie several times, but I do not remember that. I didn't remember it at all. And Ooh. and of course it's terrible. But my point is, is that if we pretend that it didn't happen, how can we learn from it? But if you could, like, if you're, for example, let's say, uh, wiser kids today are watching that, let's say yeah. on cable or whatever. And they go, oh my God, that's terrible. Then it actually points out this terrible stuff happens and had happened. Yes. And and now they're conscious of it. I can't believe that was just an accepted thing in the 80s. And you know what's interesting, I think, Corey, as our children, I believe our children are getting so much more incredibly in tuned to these kinds of things. I will sit and watch TV with my 14-year-old daughter, and I will think nothing of what I'm seeing. And I mean, let's be honest. I'm the bossy girl. I should. I should be having thoughts, thought nothing of it. And she will be like, mom, this is terrible what we're seeing. Look at how they're using women in a negative way. Or look at how they're using non-binary people to make statements that are unacceptable. Or look, and, and I'm like, wow, you're brilliant. Oh my gosh, I wish I could be that smart. And I mean, she's 14. Our kids are smart. And we really need to give them the resources that they can use to understand what we should and shouldn't be and what we should and shouldn't do. Yeah, I, I so agree. And, and, you know, just to finish this conversation, this part of it off, I, I'll just say, you know, my thinking is, and I should add that I'm not saying like, hey, we should go out and now, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, run air at more times. No, no. And say, you know, kids sit down and watch this. But what I'm saying is, 
if if we ignore it, then who's to say in 15, 20 years it becomes normal again because we never knew it was maybe not cool in the first place because right. we erased it all. Right. I mean, I don't know the I don't know the answer to that. I mean, maybe it's a matter of you know you show the clip to kids and say this is not acceptable and here's why. Well, and, and yeah, and, at bare minimum, like we said, I mean, it's like whenever I go out and tell people that I'm the bossy girl, and they're like, "What on the what on the God's green earth are you doing?" And you get to have a conversation. And I think that's the same thing. Um, I'd hope that I haven't watched that probably since my 20s. I was born in the 70s. So that was like a very big thing. Um, but I probably wasn't even at an age where I would have understood what was going on there. I'm not totally sure. But I, I, I know I, I did. Now I would I would be like, oh, my word. <laughs> well, I think, based on the article, I mean, I will say this. If I think if you watched it now you'd be like the person writing the article and probably like me, you'd be like, oh my gosh, this was quite bad. Yeah. And, but like I said, I think also we didn't know it at the time. So we didn't even know it was a bad thing. So maybe because if you like, if you get, um, if you're watching that a lot and you get desensitized, maybe there were some people that are like, oh, well, that's not that bad. That's just joking around. Right. But again, now uh, with the society we have now, maybe we can discuss and say how that's not just joking around. Right. And, and what right. plant. But so my just my thing is always just like I'll, I'll, I'll even tell you where I'm coming from with that, because it does relate to this whole conversation. Yeah. To me, I look at and this happened a lot. And again, I, I can't speak again. I, I hope it's not the level it once was. But I know from just from talking to enough people in my life and seeing enough stories that throughout a lot of time in history. And I'm going to say um, not to just blanket it, but I'm going to say like probably 60s, 70s, some of the 80s. A lot of stuff happened, bad stuff like abuse, sexual abuse, what have you, that was always kind of put under the carpet. Mm -hmm. And even other family members would know, and I'm not talking about my family, I'm just saying in general, you would, you, sure. you know, there's enough proof of this that yeah. you would know and just kind of go, oh, you know, that's terrible what they're doing, but ignore it. And what I'm getting at is to me, canceling everything, everything, like saying this didn't exist, didn't exist, to me, that could become a situation like, that whole scenario that we dealt with where people were doing stuff that nobody even acknowledged or noticed because it was just like, let's just shove it under the carpet. And even when it happened, even people telling that person it happened to just pretend that didn't happen, you know, just yeah. shove it down further. It, it, it's that's shove it down and you don't think about it anymore. I remember, yeah. and it was obviously this was meant as, as a joke, but I was talking about watching the Goldbergs and the father, he said to one of the kids, I can't remember what it was, you know, you just shove it down really deep and you shove it down deeper and deeper. And that way uh, it's really deep. So you never experience it again. You know, it's, it's good down there. Cause then nobody ever sees it. And, but the point is that's what he, what they're making fun of is that's how he thought in the eighties, you know, like that's how the father would have thought in the eighties, just shove it down. Don't cry. Don't act like it happened. It's what I'm saying so is that's my fear is that if we constantly wipe away everything without having the discussion around it in the first place. Yeah. And like you say, we're a doomed to repeat it and B it becomes another one of those things where let's just pretend it never happened. Yes. Do you know, it's so funny that you're talking about this and I had no intention of sharing this, but I just wrote a book and what it is all about. It is about leading as a woman being your wholehearted self. So I actually developed a process of understanding all that stuff that we carry so that the words that people use don't hurt us anymore and that we're still able to lead with confidence and be clear about our mission and the double standard that impacts women so frequently in the workplace is no longer relevant. And what I mean by that is when women are strong, People think they're unlikable and really people don't like to follow unlikable people. They don't. So if you're too strong, nobody will follow you. If you're too weak, nobody will follow you. So there's this double standard that we're faced with all the time. And I developed this process that gets to what's the baggage that we're carrying, whether it be the shame, the judgment, the guilt, what is it that we're carrying that we can actually take a look at? And, you know, many of us have those fathers, not everybody, but many of us, fathers, mothers that said, just shove it down. Don't talk about it. It'll go away. The truth is it never does. No. So 
if we are not confident about who we are and leading from a place where we actually understand that we are worthy, we are valuable, and we are really whatever it is that we authentically are, whether it is bossy or whether it's something else, we won't be able to lead until we get to that place. So it's just so interesting that you just were talking about that because I just wrote a whole book about it. Amazing. And and the truth is I never know because I don't take a let's plan these 10 questions because I want to have deep conversations. Right. Right. You never know where an answer is going to take you. And I let the answer take me there. And so I didn't know we were going to go in this direction either, Crystal. But what I will ask you, based on what you just said, because I think it's important to go there for especially uh, female influencers, female leaders, people who want to become an influencer or a leader. What in your experience of sort of owning it, what do you think is, and again, I'll use the word answer, but I know there's no easy answer ever. There's always variables. But what do you think is some of the answer for that situation? Whereas again, a lot of females are in the situation where if I own it and I'm, and I'm I accept it, I'm strong and, and what have you, then it's viewed as a negative. And if I don't own it, I don't accept it. And I just kind of let everything pass over me. It's viewed as a negative. Like there's, it's almost like if there's this unwritten rule, you have to be in this perfect middle ground or yeah. as you said, nobody will follow you and, and people won't listen to what you have to say and go along for the ride. And so my question out of that is, what do you think is, you know, what do you think is the answer to that? Like, what is, is it owning it and, and letting the people fall off where they may uh, and the chips fall where they may? Or is it trying to be neutral? Or what, what do you think is the answer to that? So believe it or not, uh, and again, I'm just so, I feel so blessed by this conversation right now because I have the answer to that. And that is the answer that I'm trying to spread all over the world. And there's really two parts to this answer. If you don't know, okay, am I too strong and nobody will like me? Am I too weak and no one will follow me? I have two questions for you to ask yourself so that you know how to handle it. One, what, when you think about what you're trying to do, who is it about? Who is it about? So what I mean by that is when you're pushing an agenda, when you are sitting at the conference room table and people quiet you or take your idea or speak over you and you decide to push forward, why are you doing that? Who is it for? Is it for you? Are you wanting to be seen? Do you want the glory? Do you want that for your reputation? Is it for them? Is it because it's best for your company? Is it because it's best for your people? Is it because it's best for your children? Is it because it's best for your family? Who is it about? My, my, and then the next step is, if it's about you, stop it. You're being bad bossy. Mm. If it's about you, stop. Stop. The, rep- the, the recognition, the acceptance, all that stuff you're seeking, you have to do that within you. And if you're pushing other people to get to that, to get them to give it to you, you're going the wrong way. Stop, stop, turn around. Then the next, the next part of that is if it's for them, If what you're doing is for them, so say you're pushing your employee, say you're pushing your child because you know they're ready to go to the next level, it might hurt them. Actually, oftentimes it will. It is painful. It hurts. And what I will tell you now, so what? They won't like you. They will hurt things will be hard and there will be a process where you're going to be really lonely. Get over it. You signed up mom. You signed up dad. You signed up boss. Like it's your job that sometimes people aren't going to like you. Get over it. Get over it and lead. If it's about them, you lead. If it isn't, knock it off. Wow, I love that. That, that that's like that. It, you made me think of that. Um, what's his name? Uh, is it Bob Newhart? Uh, has this? Uh, stop five, it. Yeah, stop it. But you made me think of. But because you summarized both ends, though, you're like, if it is about this, push harder. If it's about this, 
get over yourself. I I love that. And, you know, just before I ask our our last kind of official question, uh, just to add on to that, because I love you, the approach you took there about, you know, is it about, and I want to just give a shout out and at the same time, validate what you said to first the shout outs to single mothers and to validate what you said, because my mother, and I've done, I've done a talk about this as I got older, but when I was a kid, my mother, um, put up with a lot from me and I thought she was like the worst. And, and I say that like almost like, a, I guess what, you know, like the worst, like, oh my God. But I, I thought she was the worst in the yes. sense that I'm like, how, how come you won't say yes to everything? How come I want to get a car and I'm 16? How come you won't find a way to buy me a car? Like, I, but I just thought- this You is are terrible. so mean. I hear that every day. You are that, so mean. And, and it was, that's what I, I said. And I remember those times that even to the point of making her cry mm-hmm. uh, because I was so mad that she wouldn't do something or what have you. And I never thought about it at the time. But as I got older, I started thinking about how crappy that must have felt because she must have thought doing those things. And I, we probably discussed it, but I don't even know if we have. But she must, because it's hard for her to put herself back in that, what she felt Absolutely. like. Then, but I think yeah. that she probably at some point felt like this kid's going to hate me as he gets older. He's never going to appreciate what I did. And I was an only child and she was an only child. So oh. it's not like, she had had each other that was it and at the same time she probably thought well if this one hates me there's no other one that you know that won't there's only the one but here's the thing as i get older i doubled down in how much those sacrifices changed my life and meant for me and so now i give her most of the credit for who i became and a lot of it was because of those unpopular decisions she made and i will say there's things she did that other mothers wouldn't have done that even other people would have judged. And, and I I've learned, you know, since having kids myself, there's no manual and you have to make your own, what you feel is the right decision. And I'll give you an example. I've said this openly before and my mother doesn't mind me saying this, but when I was like 12 years old, I almost burned our house down because I was smoking uh, cigars in my room and she came home to the, like my bed on fire and I was gone. I'd like left. I didn't know this because I didn't know about cigars that when you put them out. They still sometimes say lit. They don't go out easy. I was a kid and it was the first one I ever had. And so she sat me down and she said, look, I know you smoke. And she was a smoker at the time too. And she said, I know you smoke. And she said, I'd rather you smoke in front of me than burn my house down. So if you're going to smoke anyway, I'd rather you smoke in the house. And, 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 you know, in an ashtray and not cigars that you can't put out, but, you know, but I'd rather do that. And so I smoked for about seven years, maybe like at that age. And I quit when I was 19. Funny part is I had friends whose parents said, if you ever smoke, this will happen and that'll happen. Like I'll ground you and you'll lose your life. I'll take your car away. You'll never graduate. Like just crazy stuff. And some of those friends of mine are still smoking to this day. And by the way, when they were told not to smoke, they were smoking then too. But they they always felt it was like, uh, I'm not allowed to do this. So I'm going to do it behind your back. And it's kind of interesting how I quit after a certain time because maybe it wasn't cool anymore. Once I got to like... 19 or 20 I'm like well it's, it's no big deal like I've always been allowed to do this I've proven myself now I'm a man yeah. I'm, I'm old enough to make this decision and she let me make you know she let me make my decisions when I was at that age so I felt like an adult so it's like now I gotta adult myself but right. is, I'm not judging anybody else what I'm saying my mother so she was in one hand she made decisions that wouldn't probably make her popular with me she yeah. did other things that wouldn't make her popular with other parents but it worked and she had to own that. And, and at the end of the day, we were closer than most mother sons I know. And not only that, I brag about her a lot. Like I, I've done a TEDx talk talking about what she did and a blue talk, our own brand at mm. Harvard. And the whole talk was about what my mother taught me about customer service. Oh, I watched and, that. It was excellent. I liked it. Oh, well, thank you so much. Well, I, I only say all this stuff because to your point, uh, if you're doing it for the other person, I love what you said. I just want to reiterate that. Mm. Tuck it up and lead. Keep doing it. Move That's on. It. And do what you can to help the person and leave the baggage at the door. Because again, it wasn't easy when my mother did that. But the end result of her leading, because it was about me and not about her, the end result is my life was so much better for me. And I just wanted to validate what you said. Yeah. Well, and Corey, it's so amazing because when you bring this all together and you really think about it, this is the whole crux of leadership. And so often women aren't 
willing to lead in a place where people don't like them because they use words like bossy or other worse B words. Um, they don't want to lead from that place. But the thing is, this is why living and leading wholeheartedly and being confident with your true self, which is what I'm all about, is so important because when we resolve our own stuff, we're not looking for or seeking validation from others. We can, and I can tell you, I, I have had people that in my life should be very supportive of me and they haven't been. And even I have a, a person, there's a story that's coming to my mind right now that watched one of my videos with my daughter and critiqued me and critiqued my philosophies to my daughter who I've literally nearly died for many, many times. She's my world. If I wasn't okay with my own stuff, I'm not really sure what I'd be capable of in talking to that person after I found that out. But what's interesting is when you're okay with you and you're figuring out your own stuff and you're approaching the world and leading wholeheartedly, authentically and courageously with love. And that's what, again, that's what my whole book is about and everything. When you do that, you step to the table and you don't need anyone else's approval. It doesn't matter if they like you. It's okay if they criticize you or put posts about you on social media or call you this or that. It doesn't matter because you know that, you know, and just like you said, Corey, like with your mom, she may or may not have made the right decision. Who are we to judge? We weren't there. We did not deal with that, but this is what I can say. It sounds like she's a woman who did the best she could with what she had. And I am a single mom too. And I know like some days you just have to make it happen. And it's not always pretty. It's just getting done sometimes. And that's good enough. But Whenever you, whenever you make that decision and you stand by it and you believe you're doing the right thing, that's the best you can do. If later you realize, oh wait, maybe that wasn't the best path. Maybe I made that decision in a moment that I shouldn't have been making decisions but had no other choice, then you course correct. And that's okay. As long as you're always doing it for your people whoever that might be. If it's for them, you make the best decision. You've been selected as the leader. And as women, so often we suffer from things like imposter syndrome. People are gonna find out we're not good enough. People are gonna find somebody else that can do it better. You know what? Maybe they will, but they haven't yet. You were picked, you raised your hand, you were here for a reason. Make a decision. Make the best one that you can for your people and then lead your heart out with courage and with love. Never saying it's easy, but you will never be wrong. Wow. So powerful. And, you know, I, I want to ask you um, how we can learn more. That was my last question. And, and also sure. uh, how people can grab your book. Uh, I just finish off by saying one, you know, tagging onto one thing you just said. Uh, and again, it won't be a popular comment. That I'll make in terms of <laughs> We're doing a lot of that today. It's okay. Yeah, and I'm all I'm all okay with that because I think having a deep conversation is more important than a "Hey, how are you?" conversation. Yeah. So I'm okay with um, you know us deepening those conversations. But something that was said to me recently. So, for example, um, I have a few clients that. I would have never, so I'll say it this way. We talk about cell phones and like giving your kid a cell phone or what have you. And people, um, of course, say that's terrible, regardless of the age or what have you. And, you know, I have a couple people in my life that are mothers that uh, said, you know, Corey, sometimes it's the worst thing in the world. And sometimes it's the best babysitter ever. Oh, my and, Lord. It's and, the only way that I shower. And this, and so, so that's on one side. And I think, I think what I've seen is I think, I, well, I don't even know who the people are saying is terrible, but usually I think it's not parents, <laughs> like people that aren't a parent currently with that age, maybe somebody who the kids are older or haven't had children, but either way, that's not for me to judge. But Don't give it to them all day. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
But I mean, but I'll say this, I just changed my view completely around it. So I want to share it. I was interviewing a months ago. I don't know how long ago exactly it was, but uh, John Asaraf. So John Asaraf was in The Secret. Uh, he's had multiple best-selling books, mm-hmm. but he's also like a mind brain dude. So he studies the brain and mind. And he said this, I never ever thought of it this way. And I've had people watch this interview because we're doing it for a documentary project. So it has oh, wow. not out in the public, but I had a couple people that are watching it for going through the clips to get a second and third opinion. And he said something. Uh, he said he thinks that cell phones, and if you think about how you use cell phones, like you're doing different movements than you would normally do. You're moving your kids, especially they're using their fingers and thumbs as quicker than ever. Yeah. Maybe you're leaning over more. He actually thinks it's an evolutionary thing that they have to do and go through now for something that we don't know that's going to happen in the future. He thinks they're being wow. trained for something that we they have to evolve to. And the better they are at it, the better their survival skills will be at it. That's, I mean, history does repeat itself. And so here's the thing. If he's right, and we don't know, but if he's right, and, right. and just even if you consider, is it possible that that could be the case? Then all of a sudden you look at it like, this is a good thing. They're training for something. And training, I don't mean like like uh, end of the world fighting with their hands thing. I just mean it could be anything. Like there's uh, tribes that were had three toes and now we have five. You know, like it's so who knows what that's for? I mean, uh, well, and you know, it's amazing, Corey. Sometimes this is how I really, I also have a three-year-old and this is sometimes how I see how brilliant our children are. I think about what it takes, even if just say you switch your cell phone and your apps get moved and you don't know what you're doing for like at least a good week, right? My three-year-old can get, she's memorized my password. She can open my phone. She opens it. She can pull up YouTube. And I have no idea how, but she can pull up Umizumi. She can pull up Elmo. She does this herself. And I'm just like, wow. We all need to be very afraid because somebody's about to change the world. (laughs) Holy cow. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm always split on this one thing with cell phones, but I try to be, let's look at both perspectives from it. Like, yeah. and so, I mean, is look at this, like, again, to your point, we have a one-year-old and a four-year-old. The four-year-old can do much of that now. Like he, same thing. He can go, he has, he, he can go on the iPad. I was going to say his iPad, but basically we have an old iPad we're not using. So he gave it right. to him. And so he can go on the iPad and he's switching through the apps and like he's picking and going, but what he does, which pulled ourselves out, Corey, everybody knows that we're bad parents now. hundred percent. Well, and uh, you know, if he judges that way, then yes, you'd think I am. (laughs) He can uh, kill, but here's, okay. So I'll, I'll go flip the other side. He actually asks us, which I don't think I would have at his age. He says, am I allowed to watch this video? Is this an okay video? He shows it to us and says, is this an okay video for me to watch? Yes. I wouldn't have done that at four. And no, well, I would have watched it. Yeah. Well, and like TV, I mean, I'll go like say six or whatever, because we didn't have the phone starting at that age. But if right. I had the TV, I, if I had it on a channel, I'm not going to say to my mom, hey, mom, there's something going on in here. Should I watch this? I'd be just all in. Oh, no. I was like figuring out. Well, obviously, I was older than that. But I was listening to trying to figure out what rap music was about. And I was never going to tell. Are you kidding me? And that's my, my point. So- my kids will actually say, is this appropriate, mommy? Yeah. And well, I'll tell you, uh, just to finish again, like I said, I didn't expect to go down this rabbit hole. But I mean, I think, again, we have to have these conversations because yes. how many parents, so here's the thing, how many parents are doing it, but then going online and saying it's terrible you're doing that? Like right. they're doing it, but then judging somebody else because you don't get to see inside their house. Right. Our, our, our son, like we, I forget which movie we watched one time and he was like two and a half. He could talk. Yeah. Um, but whatever it was we were watching, he said, I don't think I'm supposed to be watching this, am I? And, and he was like on the floor playing, but we had it on and we're just like, whatever. And he's like, I don't think I'm supposed to be watching. He's not taking it in. They yeah. hear everything. Like, is, is this okay for me to be watching or is this? And it's almost like he's saying, is this bad parenting? Which, which right, right. And so, you know, and so, but that was like a moment to us to realize, okay, well, you know, we have to baby monitor what we're watching. But yes. our thinking was he's not paying attention. He's not old enough to even know what's going on. Right. And, and to, so how, do you say that's a bad or do you look at it like, wow, he's teaching us and wow, he's, he's, you know, he's learning and wow, he's growing and he's further advanced than we were at that age. And again, this is something that if you, yeah. it's like, it's like so many different things that if we put this out to a debate, 
you'd have a thousand people on each side of the room arguing against each other on it. So oh, I'm not yeah. sitting here saying, uh, you know, my answer on it to how we're doing it is right. I'm sitting here saying there's no manual. I was given no, no rules. My girlfriend was given no rules. Like, man, right. I see rules. I don't mean like you shouldn't do this with your kids. I mean, like we were given no instructions. We were handed a baby at the hospital. And my girlfriend said, as we were walking out, is, should they be allowing us to walk with a baby? We haven't been trained. <laughs> my point is, is, that's really, we're just learning as we go. So anyway. I love it. And do you know what I think about this? This is what I truly believe that parenting is about. I believe the successful parents are willing to learn from their children as much as their children learn from them. And if we can be in that place where we are trying, because understand, children are not that different from adults. We all come to the world with a purpose. We are all meant for something and we are all on a journey to figure out what that is. And we all have unique characteristics that make us play in the world in different ways. And what I've learned from having two children instead of one is that as a mother, I have very little say in what that is. The only thing that I can do is be sure that they feel safe in this world, that they feel loved by me, that they belong, and that in that place, they'll always have somebody to come to and talk to and know that they're loved in the good times and the bad so that they'll try harder, so that they're willing to fail. Like that's all we can do because if you think you're gonna change your kid, you're not, watch and learn and they will teach you what you need to be. And for me, when I'm, when I'm doing that, I'm a successful mother. When I'm trying to fit them into my mold, which believe me happens, because we're all human, I'm not as successful and I'm not as proud of those moments. So, I, I mean, it's just all um, a dance. It's a dance and there isn't good and there isn't bad. And anytime we start judging anyone else, <laughs> we have a whole lot more work to do with ourselves because you've never walked in those shoes and judging them isn't going to make anybody's life any better, but it will hurt yours. hundred percent. And you know, I, I never forget this. My girlfriend and I were walking out of the hospital, that conversation I mentioned. And I love that. And, well, but I, I, I just thought of it. We went one step further too. Is she said that like, well, should we be allowed to take it out? And of course, I, I mean, okay, this is this is me generalizing, but you know, I think there's. It feels like so. This is this is just my take. It's just it's generalizing, but it's just my take. It, there's a little bit of a different bond between the mother and child and the father and child because the mother yeah. carried the child, and sure. and so when we're walking out, I think her mo her head went to like. Oh my God, this, oh, this is terrifying. How are they letting us do this? And she never talked, she never, she never forgets to mention this when she talks at that moment. She said, but when she said it to me, I said, my understanding, as I said, at this age, and I said, I'm not talking about you know, what we have to do to help them grow and all that. But to my understanding at this age, we just have to make sure he doesn't die on the way to the car. Like if he survives in, in the next month. We've done good. And, and that's it. But she said she never forgot that she said that calmed her down because she what she said was she said it made her realize to her, you know, she was stressing about all this stuff, but we can't control it anyway. Yes. But what we can control is trying our best to make sure he doesn't die. Oh, and so we brought it down to like the lowest common denominator. of Just don't die. And Corey, uh, my three year old, my 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 14 year old was the angel baby. Perfect. Never had a problem. I was the perfect mother. I was sure of it. Then my three-year-old was born and my whole freaking world fell apart. And now my motto is keep the little human alive. Keep the little human alive. Because, you know, while I'm showering, she's hanging from my poster board bed while she, I, I just keep the little human alive. We And, and I'm successful. Yes. <laughs> Well, that's the thing too. If, if you, if you, and I don't mean this and I, the way it probably will sound, but if you lower the bar as to what yeah. you're trying to achieve, sometimes that's not a bad thing because then, you know, you have a success. You have a success when you wake up in the morning and they, they wake up next to you. And it, allow, it allows for greater connection because understand, I'm not setting a bar for her that is the same as what I could expect for her sister. I'm not setting a bar for her that's unrealistic. 
I am learning from her. And I, to keep learning from her, I have to keep the little human alive, right? right. So I work really hard at that. And she does not make that job easy. You've been with me on meetings while she literally knocks TVs over. It, she's, she's not easy. But I will keep learning from her and I will keep allowing her to discover what her purpose is and why she was made the way she was made. And we will both be happy. But yes, keep the little human alive. Love it. Yeah, I could go down this rabbit hole for so long. So me too. I, I know. I, I just I I promised you I want to you know finish off by asking you how we can learn more, uh, how people can get your book, all that kind of good stuff. You know, I, I often ask people, is there a hub? Like, is there a place where you send everybody? But I just want to know how people that are listening can dive in deeper and learn more about you and connect further with you. Absolutely. So I would ask everybody, if you go to www.bossygirl.org, everything that you need from me is there. Bossygirl.org, obviously, if you just go to Google and you type in Bossy Girl, you'll find me. But when you go there, you will see, I will tell you, the book is not officially out. It is completed and I am debating on publishers at the moment, but there's a place where you can put your email in to be notified the moment it's released for pre-sale. There's a community that you can join to become the truest version of yourself. There's also, um, there's a newsletter. There's a lot of resources that you can get. There's also information. If you'd like me to speak at your next event or come to your organization to inspire your people, that's my bag. And if you believe in servant leadership and if you believe in leading courageously with love, I'm your girl, www.bossygirl.org. Amazing. Well, you know, I, I Crystal, I, I said this uh, probably from the beginning, uh, and I'll say it again, is we could go down these rabbit holes so far. Yeah. And when I say that, that's a compliment. And at the same time, it's a, we need to bring you back as well. Sure. Comment, because, uh, you know, I'll call it a to be continued. I love these conversations. And I feel like, again, there's so much we could have covered. Uh, but at the same time, it's exactly as it was meant to be. And this is a, I have deep conversations all the time, but a lot of times we focus, we circle back around to influence and author, you know, writing books and podcasting and all that, like the actual mechanics of it. Uh, sure. So I like whenever I have a conversation like this, where it's like, real. It, it's real. And not only that, here's what it does, because I like to help influencers. And what I think people forget sometimes, because all people say, well, you brought a person to talk about this. How does that relate to influence? And I'm like, are influencers and leaders not human? Like, Every like so, if, for example, if I bring somebody on around health and wellness, well, doesn't an influencer have to be healthy? Like, if you lose your health, nothing else matters. So, what's you know, if, if we don't talk about that and we just talk about the mechanics, well, then we're leaving out the part that makes the mechanics possible. Because if you know, That's if right. the leader's not there or not healthy, then nothing else works. And I had somebody on not that long ago, uh, talk it was a dog whisperer, and somebody's like, Well, how can you have a dog whisperer on an influencer show? I said, Dude, leaders not oh. own dogs, are they not allowed to own dogs? And so, well, the and the skills are similar they are but they also really the are. was what you can learn from your dog about who you are because if oh. your dog's really neurotic and and stressed yeah. out and and some people would say that's not possible my mom had a dog mm -hmm. that my mom um uh you know i won't go into all those details because we're at the end but my mother is um you know she's had those moments of being neurotic and struggle with mental illness and nervousness and so we watch and she would tell you this her dog ultimately start carrying on those characteristics to the point where the vet said, we need to start giving her nerve pills. Oh. Like she was like mimicking my mother fully. Absolutely. Uh, and my or they'll get aggressive because they feel like they need to protect and be the leader. Because if, if your mom in that instance wasn't leading, the dog will. And people do the same thing. If you're not leading as the boss, somebody will. People want to be led. It's the same thing. It's so brilliant. And not only that, here's what she learned from the dog because then she said, uh, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I, my dog is mimicking. Like she realized then and she's like, if my dog has to start taking stress pills, maybe I need to work on some stuff. And so it was like the dog taught her some stuff. And oh. my mom is bit, like a totally different person now from then. But it's it's really a wild that, because you know, we hear people say, you're starting to look like your animal or something, your pet. Yes. But I seen her dog like evolve. Like over the years, the dog was, uh, she had it as a puppy. And this, at the time that stuff was happening, the dog was like eight or nine. 
and I watched the evolution. It was pretty wild. Uh, you know, to the point, Crystal, where uh, my mom at the time, speaking of puppies, my, my mom at the time would go to bed like at two in the morning and get up like 10 in the morning back then because she would, was disabled from work and she was, oh. she would watch um, late night shows and different things. And cause she's like, well, what do I have to get up for? But she would go like two to 10. The dog would not get up to go to the bathroom till 10. Oh. The dog even slept the same hours. Anyway, it's wild. It's amazing. And you know what? I, I brought her up here because I wanted to show you she, when I'm working, when I'm working, I'm at peace. I am so happy and content when I'm working and she sleeps when I'm working because she knows that I'm good. I'm good. So she just kind of lays here beside me and hangs out and she's happy. Amazing. So, that, yeah. so that's my point that a conversation as deep as we went today, um, influencers are mothers. Influencers were raised by mothers and so on and so forth. So all the stuff we talked about today, I think relates to being a leader, being an influencer. So I just want to thank you and honor you for doing that. And again, we'll call it a to be continued, my friend. Thank you so much. I loved it. Thank you, Corey. Have a wonderful day. You as well. And I, I asked you before, but I'm trying to remember now, the name of, of your dog is? Sophia. Sophia, I remember now. As soon as you said it, I remembered it. Uh, so I just want to say thanks, Sophia, for joining us. And because you'll probably be sitting beside Crystal during our next interview, to be continued as well, Sophia. Absolutely. <laughs> thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Until next time. Again, this interview was from theinfluencervault.com. Come and join us as a member inside the Influencer Vault to see how we can help you up-level your game, become an expert sooner, and become an influencer today rather than tomorrow. Again, theinfluencervault.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.